Hey everybody, George Robson here, Worship Arts Pastor at Ocean Grove Online Church. Welcome to another one of our podcasts. I want to encourage you to stay with us for this week's scripture reading and message. Our scripture um, this morning comes from 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-10. through 10. And the author writes, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son purifies us from all sin. Claim to be without sin. We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> Let's pray together. Oh God, your word is alive and well, challenging us and encouraging us and equipping us, admonishing us, confronting us to continue to strive to be the people you need us to be. Today, O oh God, help us to hear this word, but not leave it in our ears. To take in this word in our hearts, in our minds, and in our souls, and allow it to shape us and mold us and be a gift to us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Last week, we explored three powerful theological truths from God's word that impact our, our lives and help us to live into the fullness of God. And those three truths were hope, assurance, and victory. If you missed last week, I encourage you to go to our website, uh, oceangrovechurch.com, and and click on the listen, the archives, wherever you find, and check out last week's message and allow God's word to be a blessing to you as we again dig deep into those three theological truths. And in the course of that message last week, I said we were going to save some truths for this week. And so we have uh, an opportunity today, this morning, to dig deep into three more very important, profound dare I say, life-changing truths from God's word. And the three for us this morning are confession, repentance, and forgiveness. Confession, repentance, and forgiveness. So let's start with confession. Merriam-Webster defines confession as a written or oral acknowledgement of guilt by a party accused of an offense. Did you get that? 
a written or oral argument, acknowledgement of guilt by a party accused of an offense. But here's the, here's the biblical definition of confession, and I think it's uh, uh, not far off from Webster's, but more uh, appropriate for us to consider for our time together this morning. The Bible says that confession is the acknowledgement of sinfulness. And you acknowledge that sinfulness, according to the scriptures, in both private to God and public to each other, to other brothers and sisters in Christ. And confession, according to the Bible, is regarded as necessary, the first real necessary step in order to obtain divine forgiveness. And that's why I have them in the order they are in today, confession, repentance, and forgiveness. And by the time we're done today, I hope it makes sense to you that this is an important order for us to consider. Just as a a quick side note, this biblical definition that says acknowledgement of sinfulness in public and private. I went through the scriptures and was really surprised at how often we are called to confession, but it's almost never called to just confess to God, but almost always is included the challenge or the, the um, um, well, the challenge to also confess our sins to one another. James 5 says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So I want you to think about that. We're not going to spend a lot of time here, but when we confess, there's power, of course, in confessing our sins to God. We have to do that. But there's also power in confessing our sins to each other. There's accountability but there's also um, the give and take of confession and then receiving prayer from, again, our brothers and sisters in Christ. So let me keep going with this idea of, uh, of confession and, and to ask the question, you know, what, what is it that you most often confess uh, to God and maybe to each other as well? And when I thought about that question, most of the time I think, when I recognize sin in my life, I think it's the things that I have done, the way I've behaved or reacted or treated someone else, especially if I was treating someone else poorly, or the words I've spoken, even the not-so-godly thoughts I have entertained. When I confess my sins before God, it's almost always in that direction of things that I have done or said or thought. We call those sins of commission. We've committed something. We've committed an immoral thought or, or action or word against God or against neighbor. But check this out. James 4, 17 says, Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, guess what? That is also a sin. 
Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, that's also sin. Those are what we call sins of omission. Friends, I have enough trouble keeping up with the sins of commission. Now I have to pay attention to the sins I've omitted, which in many cases, I'm not even sure I've missed at the moment. But the good news is that regardless of whether I have committed a sin of commission or committed a sin of omission, I need to get on my knees and confess those sins before God. Friends, it is good practice to say to God, God, I've messed up. Here's the way I've messed up. And if I'm missing anything, I'm sorry for those sins as well. I'm sorry for those sins as well. We're called as people of God, as the, as the disciples of Jesus, to acknowledge our sinfulness. Why? So that we can get back into right relationship with God. One of the biblical scholars I was using to prepare the message this morning put it a slightly different way that I thought I would just mention today. Uh, I like this a lot. And, and what he said was, Confession at its core is agreeing with God. Confession at its core is agreeing with God. Confession is saying, hey, you know what? God's right all the time. God's right, and I need to change. You see, when we know we've sinned and we don't confess, we are in essence saying, I know God's right, but too bad. And that's not anything we ever want to entertain. But confession is saying, God's right, and I know I need to change. Confession is necessary to obtain forgiveness. And the changes that it brings on are what we call repentance. Repentance. Now, in the Bible, there's two words for repentance, one is Greek and one is Hebrew. The Greek word means to change your mind. Think differently. The Hebrew word, though, means to turn around and go in the complete opposite direction. So Greek word for repentance means to change your mind. The other in Hebrew means to turn around and go in the complete opposite opposite direction. Friends, I want to say to you this morning and say to me, repentance requires that we make both of those choices, that we think differently, but that we not stop there, that we turn around and go in the direction that brings us closer to God. You see, again, at its core, repentance is about trusting God. When God comes to us and says, I have a new way, a better way to live, come follow me. Repentance means that we are saying no to the world and yes to God. Again, the same biblical author said repentance is actually a normal part of life. We're not going to get everything right all the time. 
But as we learn to follow Jesus more and more, which is our primary calling, he will come to us and address the the core conflict standing in the way of us coming into a greater spiritual life. And that core conflict always comes down to sin in all and any of its manifestations and permutations. And Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, comes into our lives and calls us, calls us to repentance. Calls us to turn around and come back to God and come back to God's way of life as we need to be as followers of Jesus. Friends, if we are acting or doing or saying or behaving in ways that are outside of God's way of life for us, if we are sinning in word and deed against God and others, we need to change our minds about what we are doing, and then we need to turn around and go in the opposite direction. If sinning moves us away from God, then repentance brings us back to God. Let me say that again. If sinning moves us away from God, repentance brings us back to God. And so this is kind of an interesting question. How do you actually repent? In Acts chapter 2, after Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost, the crowd was, quote-unquote, cut to the heart and said to Peter, what should we do? Peter replied and said, repent. Okay, now what? Here's what I think. I think this call to repentance means that every thought that comes into our minds is an opportunity to move us towards Christ or away from him. Every thought that comes into our mind is an opportunity for us to move towards Christ or to move away from him. Everything that takes us away from Jesus is a chance and a need to repent and turn back and face him again. The good news, friends, is that conviction is the work of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, with the help of the Holy Spirit, if we make space to pay attention to the Spirit's promptings and to the things that are either turning us towards Jesus or away from him, the Holy Spirit will always call us to conviction, to confession, to change, so that we again can head and be in the direction and in the presence of Christ. Both confession and repentance lead to forgiveness. And that's great news for us. Talking to some people this week, I I realized that sometimes out of the three of these, forgiveness is the hardest for us to truly embrace and to feel the results of, feel the cleansing power of forgiveness. And I say that because as much as God says, if you humble yourself and confess your sins, if you repent and turn back to me, I will not only forgive you of your sins, but I will remember them no more. As much as God forgives and forgets, we tend to not forgive ourselves and allow the past to bury us beneath an unhealthy mound of guilt 
and shame. Confession, repentance, forgiveness, friends, frees us from guilt or shame. I was talking again with someone this past week, and and they really were struggling with this idea that God would continue to forgive them. They asked me, how many times would God actually hear their prayers of confession and repentance since they've had such a difficult time following through on their promises? I wonder if you've ever wondered the same thing. Oh, this is 15th time, 20th time, 30th time. I've brought this to God. Every time I promise I won't do this again, I won't say this again, I won't think this again, and here I am right back to where I don't want to be. Will God even listen to me anymore? Hebrews 4, 14 to 16 says this, friends. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Come boldly that we may obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. It doesn't say that we can only do that once or twice or 10 times or 20. If you remember the conversation that Jesus had with Peter around forgiveness, Peter thought he was doing great by forgiving somebody seven times, and Jesus said, how about seven times 70? Meaning that forgiveness is an ongoing gift, ongoing gift from God. God will always listen and hear our sincere prayers for repentance and forgiveness, for that is his overwhelming desire for us, that we would turn back to him and live in his truth every moment of our lives. Friends, forgiveness is one of the bedrock theological truths of our faith, and it is realized when we confess our sins and turn back to God with all that we are. So I want to circle back for a moment before we bring this to a close to the reason that we need confession and repentance and forgiveness. I just want to make sure this isn't lost in our conversation and that no one goes away from the message thinking otherwise. 1 John 1, 5 to 10 reminds us of another central truth of what it means to be human. In verse 8, it says, again, we read this earlier, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And in verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Friends, we are all sinners in need of forgiveness. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all need to confess and to repent. But the good news is when we do that, we receive this precious gift of God because, again, in that same section of 1 John, it says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and righteousness to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will make us clean. 
Friends, at its heart, the glory of the good news of Jesus Christ is that it provides forgiveness of our sins for those who embrace confession and repentance. And the forgiveness that God provides for us is so comprehensive that it removes from us all defilement, all shame, all guilt, all punishment, and replaces it with hope, assurance, and victory. This is the gift of forgiveness. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh God, in in Paul's letter to the Romans, we read, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We thank you for uh, a a way, a a process, a, a gift for when we make mistakes, when we make bad decisions, when we sin. We don't have to stay there. We don't have to live there. We don't have to bear the consequences of that sin forever. We don't even have to have shame and guilt. We can be in a place where we we know and we feel like now there's no condemnation for us because we are, in fact, in Christ Jesus. And it's in Christ that has brought us back. It's in confession and repentance that we find our way back to God's presence and the lordship of Christ. God, we know that confession, repentance, and forgiveness are practices that lead to a renewed and restored relationship with Christ. They are practices that lead to a powerful sense of peace and contentment and purpose. They are practices that lead to a fuller life in Christ. Oh God, help us practice these three profound life-changing truths so that you, oh God, can set us free for joyful obedience. In Christ's name we pray. We really appreciate you staying with us this time around. Remember, you can always search out other podcasts from OGC by looking up Ocean Grove Church or type in oceangrovechurch.com slash podcast question mark format equals RSS in your player of choice. And if you'd like other ways to stay up to date on all things Ocean Grove Church, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Ocean Grove Church, on Twitter as OG Church, and don't forget our website, OceanGroveChurch.com. And you can contact us via email at OceanGroveChurch at gmail.com. Until next time, we bid you peace.